Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. The more I live and the more I write, the more I have learned that is true. Yes, indeed. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the Internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres, all kinds of writers. My interview with Tess Gerritsen's up there now. Suspense writer, uh, ex-doctor, PhD or MD, uh, interesting woman, interesting conversation. She had written, a, she co-authored a book for the first time in her long career. So we talked a bit about that. Check it out. It's all at authormagazine.org. And we're funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They have been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. I am currently, currently, uh, I don't like to judge, but I am. I'm judging. They've been, they've asked me to judge contest, their big writing contest every year. That's closed. So uh, I guess you can't submit to it anymore. But what's not closed is their writing conference, which is coming up in September. This will be totally um, virtual again. Although I got to say, Washington State, we've been pretty good about taking our shots. I'm fully vaccinated now. Whoo, that second one was a doozy, but I'm okay. So this next one in September, it's going to be totally, uh, totally virtual. So no matter where you are, you can attend this entire conference in your pajamas if you want. And, uh, oh, the last one was good. This one's going to be better. So learn about it. Join us at pnwa.org. Yes. Hey. So here we are. Uh, oh, I'm very happy. Everyone has what it takes. A writer's guide to the end of self-doubt is out there swimming around. People are reading it starting to hear a little bit. It's nice. It's a nice thing. It's everywhere, I think. So if you want to pick up a copy, go get it. It's on my, you can find it easily on my homepage. But you know, wherever you buy books, there it is. You can even go to a bookstore now, probably, I think, right? We can do that. We can do that again. Won't that be fun? Yes, it's just the kind of thing to go to a bookstore for. Support them. Support your local bookstore, not just the giant online unnamed mega beast. Support your local bookstores. They're good people, almost always, right? Yes. Hey, we got a show to do, and it's with Mr. Kevin McElvoy. But I'm going to call him Mac. That's what I'm going to call him because that's the name he prefers. Uh, his novel, One Kind of Favor, is his eighth published book. came out May 18th, not that long ago. He has published five novels, A Waltz, The Fifth Station, Little Peg, Hop at the Gate of All Wonder, and a short story collection, The Complete History of New Mexico. His short fiction has appeared in Harper's, Southern Review, Plowshares, Missouri Review, and other literary magazines. A collection of his prose poems and short, short stories, 57 octaves below middle C, has been published by Four Way Books. For 27 years, he was fiction editor and editor-in-chief of the national literary magazine Puerto del Sol. He taught in the Warren Wilson College MFA program in creative writing from 1987 to 2019. And he taught as a Regents Professor of Creative Writing in the New Mexico State University MFA program from 1981 to 2008. But he's here with us now to talk about writing and life in his new book. Kevin, no, not Kevin, Mac. Mac, how are you doing? Hello. Hello, Bill. I'm doing great. And it's great to be talking to you. 
Well, it's good to have you on. Hey, congratulations on the on the latest book. I know this was a uh, whoo. This one took some work, didn't it? Yeah, you know this is this is always, of course, an exciting moment when a new book is out. Um, I yeah. guess it it uh, it does feel that much more exciting when um, the book and the sort of birthing of the book uh, took longer uh, yeah. than um, with other works, and uh, and it is it's very exciting to have uh, this out and around um, since I think it is of its moment. It's kind of it of is. its time. And um, and that is also fortunate since, as you know, sometimes the book comes out um, uh, a beat later than you yeah. would have wished for it, yeah. uh, two yeah. or a beat earlier. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. hard to time books that way, you know. Uh, I mean, if you unless you're going to absolutely crank them out, but the kind of book you've written. So this is a book that deals with uh, should for our listeners who haven't who haven't yet read One Kind of Favor. It deals with well a lot of racial violence in the, I guess in the South, but I guess in America in general, but it's, it focuses on a small town in the, in the South. And um, it is very contemporary in that it deals with our former president and some of the uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> trouble he caused. Uh, but you know, what I thought was interesting, uh, Mac, was that it's also, you took uh, some very interesting creative chances with the book, not just in terms of dealing with, ghosts uh who play a major role in the story but also just stylistically uh mm-hmm. i felt it was pretty i don't know i thought you were pretty brave maybe it's just how you approach things i don't know um but i the only reason i mention it, it's unusual for me for whatever reason to, to 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 that it's both timely and adventurous that usually it's one or the other in my experience i think that's fair do you think that's unusual that's kind of yeah and and, and that i think that is fair um uh, this is this is a book that uh, I think um, readers will find both what they believe uh, was promised to them uh, and something that um, they did not expect, uh, and that's kind of important to me as a writer overall, and has been all my life to picture the reader who is really receptive, who is really open-hearted and open-minded and and ready uh, for anything, uh, and the reader who is resistant and who has to be won by the work. Uh, All all the works that I've loved the best as a reader have been the ones that um, I thought, oh, yeah, this is my book. I'm enjoying every moment (laughs) of this. And yeah. has plenty of moments that I find myself saying, you know, I'm not so sure this is what I want, and then really? get one one to it. Uh, oh. And um, so, you know, a book, for instance, as dark as Cormac McCarthy's The Road, there's a yeah. part of me that says, oh yeah, bring it on, and there's yeah. a part of me that says, hey, but please, not that dark. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, easy, um, easy. Yeah, and that makes the work have a kind of depth and span that um, I think makes it stay in your consciousness that much longer. That is interesting. You're the first person I've heard describe that sort of love affair with being challenged, like a, like authentically uh, being challenged in different ways, that that's a way of opening up to something, to loving the work in a different way. That is interesting, Mac. Well, you know, Bill... Yeah. It kind of goes with the thing you were saying in the introduction. You know, what 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 you value in your life, 
you will see reflected in your work, you know. And I, uh, hope, and, I hope um, so. And, and, yeah, and in my life, you know, um, the the relationships that have the greatest de- greatest depth um, are the ones in which um, there has been uh, tragedy and disappointment, um, and um, uh, and uh, at the same time, the surprise of great and deepening love. Uh, and um, and I think that's true for most of us that um, yeah. the uh, these lasting relationships are the ones that were um, uh, surprising for both values the um, the right. value that um, is that love that you wish for from friends and family and uh, and beloveds uh, and and their own nature um, rubbing against yours <laughs> yeah and, well um, yeah. yeah yeah it's critical to to be able to see someone else as going through you know what I forget the quote be kind everyone's on a great journey or everyone's on an important journey i can't remember the exact language but to be able to see someone that understand that every everything someone is going through is part of their 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 journey to discover what their life's about and what life is about and sometimes it's going to be in sync with you and sometimes it's going to go against you but that they're trying i think we're all trying to head to the same place but maybe by very different paths. What do you think of that? Exactly. We're we're in different parts of the labyrinth, and um, and, um, and we don't necessarily see where the person is moving in the other part of that labyrinth. But as you say, we're in the same labyrinth, uh, and um, there's a recognition, I am not traveling an untraveled road, uh, and I am traveling towards uh, something that I cannot um, specifically name, uh, but that I I come to in good faith. Uh, and, um, And, you know, that is, that's part of, I think the richness of life and the fullness of life itself. So you, I mean, you've been teaching since the early eighties, probably maybe before that. Uh, So I get the suspicion that this, this writing thing has kind of always been the, been it for you, or did you come to it a little later? No, no, no. You know, um, I could have told you when I was 17, that um, I was going to uh, devote my life to uh, storytelling. Uh, yeah. And since I grew up um, Irish, Roman Catholic, I had a <laughs> sense of it as a priesthood. Uh, truly, I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, as yeah. something you commit your soul to uh, and um, that you think of with a kind of seriousness of purpose uh, that, um, that you would in uh, committing to the priesthood. Yeah. Well, you know, it is a kind of church unto itself in a way, in that, you know, I've often thought of writing as like a form of prayer in a way. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. come from a, an organized, my parents had gone to church. My father went to Harvard Divinity School, in fact, but by the time I showed up, there was, no one was going to church. But I always had my relationship to writing and stories and art in general was sort of, I think it was my first glimpse at spirituality in though i didn't know that's what i was getting into because that word wasn't used in my family at that time does that make sense 
Oh, it, it, it makes perfect sense to me because um, part of the life of a writer, of any artist, of course, um, is to go every day to it uh, and yeah. um, to recommit yourself to it as an act of faith and to a certain degree blind faith um, yeah. uh, in which you often are saying, why am I doing this? I'm doing this for reasons I'm still learning to understand as I yeah. go. And, and yeah. that is that's the path of uh, uh, that people name a spiritual path, uh, yeah. and um, uh, and sometimes that spiritual path is a comedy. <laughs> and, yeah, sure. Uh, sure. And and sometimes um, it's not uh, nameable as a comedy or a tragedy. Um, yeah. But you you commit to it, and in the ritual of uh, writing each day and the ceremony of writing each day um, has a sense of feeling both um, pleasurable and holy. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you got, I remember, I remember talking to right. I love Andre Debus. He's such a sweet guy. He, was oh, like, yeah. he said, yeah. he said, Oh, he said, I don't want to get too woo. And I wanted to say too late. Andre, <laughs> you chose this, man. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? I, I don't know about you, but the more I've been at this, the moment I've come to appreciate the most, and I've been on a kick with this, but I can't help it, which is, you know, you reach the end of a sentence, you're not sure what's going to come next. And that's, you know, that happens a dozen, two dozen, three dozen times in an hour, right? Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. And I've learned to love that moment more and more, actually not knowing yet, but sitting there waiting, knowing something will come. I don't know what it is yet, but being happy there feeling like at the center of something, even though I don't know what's coming. It took me years to love it, but I actually have started loving it in my dotage. How about you? And I, and, and I, I think that has a lot to do with a long life as an artist, um, loving it, taking pleasure in it, um, thinking of your art as pleasure-making and pleasure-taking. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean that in the pleasure you're taking and crossing out of yourself into a fictional character, into a fictional world, that you're not sometimes crossing into a place that causes you sadness, but sure. the framework of what you're doing um, is pleasurable. And um, and I think if you can think of it that way, um, from as early as possible in your life as an artist, you'll have a longer life as an artist than always coming to it, framing it as suffering. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm suffering as an <laughs> yeah. artist, uh, and right. it's time for me to suffer more this morning, so I'll get to it. Uh, and um, uh, and those are people, in my experience, who usually have a shorter life as an artist. Yeah. Uh, it just becomes too much to bear that framework that they themselves named. Oh, this yeah. is this is suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's. A, I, I'm so glad you said that. And I, and what, I teach writing. I but I teach sort of a, a spirit. I, I teach something called fearless writing, and it's a just sort of mm, a self help almost for um, writers dealing with the many emotional challenges. But one of the things I found is I teach adults who really want to write and have come to it maybe a little later is I have to help them unlearn the idea that they're supposed to be working hard in the sense that you just described. In other words, the search is for pleasure is for that effortless way forward. It may not come that fast, but your goal is it should be pleasing you. Like that is the goal. That's how you know you're doing it right. Not because you're sweating and miserable. That actually isn't the recipe for success, although it takes focus and discipline, but that's not the same thing as suffering. Yeah. Boy, do I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, that, it's um, hard for them. That you, it's hard. 
You know, I yeah. think there's a lot of cultural stuff about like, well, you you know, life's not supposed to be easy. And when you get maybe when you retire and all this crap, just a horrible worldview of how to live. It's true that um, that there is there's a there's an odd romanticization of yes. um, the negative component of uh, of making art, uh, yes. and um, it undoes a lot of people who, at various moments in their life, um, are ready to say, "This is what I want to do," uh, and yeah. um, and and are put off by that, and or. Um, enter it on terms that will exhaust their souls uh, yeah. instead of fill instead of fill their lives. Uh, and yeah. um, so I I certainly agree with you about that. Well, that's good. Hey, listen, you and I uh, share another uh, thing in common. Apparently, is we both like music. Uh, uh, it's, one yeah. of, it's my side thing I do to please myself is I play music and then I write music and I do all this stuff. It's my wow. it's my non professional artistic pleasure. But I, you play kind of a mean harmonica there, Mac, and uh, you composed some music to go along with this book. I think was it to go along with? The, it was. It was like almost like a like a, a, a soundtrack to it. Yeah. On on an ongoing basis, uh, I do. I in fact, my typical writing day is uh, to come to my uh, study here. It's a little hut out back, um, uh-huh. fifty feet from my house, uh, nice. and. Um, I write for 45 minutes. I blow on my harmonica um, for 20. Then I yeah. write for an hour and a half. I blow on my harmonica for 45 minutes. Uh, specifically, Delta Blues is is yeah. what I love. Uh, and um, and I do. I I make music during the time that I'm making a book. And in some cases, I say, okay, you know, I think I want to share this uh, music. Um, and um, and in other cases. It's just part of the rhythm of writing. I think it, for me, it has always been a part of training my ear to actually hear the music in language. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and so it's been tremendously helpful. And now it's, uh, I, I don't know how to separate it from my writing day. Uh, and, um, and I really do love it and I really do love that music and I love being inside of it with the harmonica um, on my mouth and uh, so yeah it matters a lot Uh, and I think this is true for many of us that um, we have another thing that we do that energizes us uh, with this thing that we've committed our lives to and uh, and how lucky that is I'll tell you the thing about writing, which is different from all the other arts, and I've done a lot of different, I mean, I, music, acting, dance, I could make little videos, <laughs> all these things I do. But the thing about writing is different than all of them is that writing is just thought. There's no, it, the, like you don't actually use your body. I mean, you do have to type with it and you're referencing and use your body to, I think I use the body to find the right word sometimes, but it's a thought. It's all, it's not a five sensory art form it references the senses but you don't actually use them it's all thought it's all internal at least that's my experience of it and it's so nice to have other things that involve my physical form so i can interact physically with the world uh in addition to just sitting there thinking or maybe even thinking isn't the right word but just dwelling in thought does that make sense it does um although it also seems to me bill that that um uh, you know what you you think language uh, and 
as you are thinking it into this thing called uh, the sentence, you're actually making a body the way a sculptor would be making a body, the way um, an artist would be making the curved line that defines body. Uh, and, um, And then there's always the surprise in which the sentence itself seems to be as sensitive as the body to smell, sight, sound, taste, touch. Uh, and um, and this is often true, I think, of the experience of literature um, for us at its best, is that um, what we read spoke to our minds um, and then made its way into our bodies. Uh, yeah. and, um, uh, and, and it does that not just with words, but rhythmically. The rhythm of a sentence um, claims our bodies the same way for me anyway. Uh, Blues, I feel in my body. I feel uh, that, um, you know, that I'm I'm somehow re-experiencing what someone like Blind Lemon Jefferson uh, was experiencing in his body. And uh, and so for me, there is, there's that double pleasure of the mind leading the way and the body then claiming uh, the the work. And so um, I love your works. I'll tell you what, I would like a hut where I could bang on my piano at will <laughs> and, not, and not bother the people I live with. Um, all right. So, all right. So this took you four years to write. Is that right? My one kind of favor. Um, it, it did. It took me about four years, uh, and um, that is about normal for me. You know, it is. Um, okay. every, every book that I've written, uh, I've said to myself, you know what, this is going to take me about a year or two to write. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and then it, it takes me about three years to write, and then at least a year um, to revise. Uh, and that means many revisions. So 12, right. 13 revisions are not unusual right. for me. And, and in this case, this was more like, this was closer to five years of uh, work. Uh, a very complex work to revise, uh, um, since it has a lot of wildness in it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so four or five years in all these when you write, especially book length, the 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 novels in particular, um, because mm-hmm. they're not you know mm-hmm. the collection of short stories. At least you can have something done before the whole book is done. Um, but with exactly. the book, with the novel, yeah. you can't. Uh, do you get the moment of like uh, you say, "What this is a freaking knot that's never going to be untied"? What did I do? Or do you are you very patient? And really, the whole time, trust that I'll figure this. I'll I'll find it. I'll find it. Where do you land you know, on that goes, spectrum? Yeah, this goes back to what we were talking about. Um, if, for instance, uh, a given writing day was um, pretty miserable for me from the beginning, uh, you know, a yeah. suffering experience, it would be. Um, I would be as likely as anyone if I had written the first hundred pages that finally got me to where the book starts. And the first hundred pages had taken me six months to write. Let's say right. Um, right. I'd, I'd want to just shoot myself. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's not uncommon for me to um, to to write uh, the first hundred pages and to say, "Oh, oh, this right. is where uh, the the true heart of the work lies." Uh, and does this mean I have to throw away those hundred pages? Probably. And yeah. um, have I, has that been wasted time? No. Um, have I enjoyed it? 
Yes, enormously. Yeah. Have I grown yeah. as a writer? Yes, how wonderful that feels. Uh, and so um, because I, I come to writing with this great sense of satisfaction and pleasure, um, those moments which occur as frequently for me as anyone um, are um, for me just part of it. And, yeah. uh, and I think that's always been true. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it's a very, very healthy attitude, Mac, I have to say. It's good for you. It's part of why you sound so sane to me. It's good. Now, do you ever do the <laughs> trick when you say, oh, okay, oh, this is the start. This is the beginning. So you got this 100 pages. Do you ever do the trick that I used to do with myself is I say, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll keep that 100 pages in a file. I'm actually going to throw it away. I'm going to keep it because you never know. Maybe I'll use it someday. And of course, it never, ever gets used. Or do you just say, no, actually, no, no, this is. I actually advise writers and, in fact, all artists uh, in any discipline um, to keep nearby what you have taken away, uh, mm, what you okay. have, uh, and to keep it nearby, not to constantly go to it, but to keep it nearby. Um, it has um, energy in it that is still a mystery to you, and um, there may come a moment in which you want to go back to that and say, um, oh, what was going on there that is now important to me in a way I couldn't have anticipated? Um, I had a hobby for a while of studying uh, Chinese brush painting. And in Chinese brush painting, there's a concept called the concept of the overplus. And it's when um, you take the overplus, the drawings that you've done that are not at all going to be your final drawing, and you uh -huh. keep them within your eyesight. You push them to the edge of the periphery of your vision so that their energy is uh, attaching itself to the energy of what is going on at this moment that you're making this thing. Uh, and um, and it, it has. It's been valuable to me to have applied that to my writing line. Interesting. This is, this is new. This is new for me, Mac. And uh, so let me ask you on a very specific level, do you look, because I don't know if you're like most writers now that you work on a digital medium when you're actually writing do you write by hand do you have some ancient typewriter that you're clacking into or do you actually have like a laptop or something i write by hand and ah, um when ah, i'm, oh, when I'm writing oh my god okay yeah when i'm writing uh non-fiction um i work on a keyboard uh but okay. it's just uh an uh a mac uh and yeah. um then what i do i i write by hand then at the at the end of any given sort of period where I say, oh, that looks like maybe that's a whole chapter, I give uh -huh. myself the little reward at the end of that time um, of typing it all up. Nice. Uh, nice. And um, but um, but no, I I work by hand because that seems to be the rate of my thought and development yeah. within a given work. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked was then so if you have the hundred pages, that is a hundred like notebook pages you can literally physically have them stacked up there somewhere nearby is that what you do exactly exactly wow yep, yep. oh this is yep. this is I have, interesting I have to old, me i have the old-fashioned uh school books uh yeah that are uh, the, the lined books that you can still buy at yeah. um walmart and even at your local grocery store <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah wow yeah. So that's yeah. what you're working well that's, that's very good by the way where my research that's where my research goes too in those notebooks, wow. uh, um, where I handwrite in um, the things that are accumulating in the research I'm doing. Nice, nice. Uh, well, listen. So, Max, so people uh, 
are no doubt fascinated by you. Uh, if they have never met you or heard of you before, they have now, and they're all interested, and they want to learn more about you, and they want to buy your book. How do they do that? Where do they do that? Talk to me. Well, first, well, first of all, thank you for asking, because that is, <laughs> that is a delightful question, uh, Bill. Uh, and, um, and it is such a lucky thing to have a new book out and to be yeah. able to say, um, yes, I have a new book, and yes, I would be so excited if you would um, find it and read it. Uh, and um, I, uh, my book is, it's available um, from uh, the um, the. Uh, local bookstores from uh, the big operations, uh, <laughs> and it's um, it's available through uh, my website to order from the publisher itself. Nice. Um, yeah. But I, as you said earlier, my dream is for people to go to their local bookstore. Um, ours here in Asheville is a remarkable, remarkable independent bookstore named Malaprops. Um, and um, <laughs> go there, go there, and and ask them uh, to order uh, my book. And, um, and when you ask them to order my book, um, ask them if uh, they're thinking about ordering a copy to put on their shelves as there well. There you go. Uh, oh, this is good. And, this is uh, good. Yeah. And, um, and I am. I'm, uh, I'm a big believer in us supporting those bookstores first and foremost. And I'm, I'm very pleased that this book has the kind of distribution in which it really is possible to find it at any good independent bookstore. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Hey, congrats. Oh, and my website. Yes, you have a website. Yeah. Yes, and, you do. And my website um, is my name, Kevin McElvoy, kevinmcelvoy.com. Uh, and, um, and it also includes information ab- about um, uh, how to – get this book. It includes information about uh, um, my uh, work, my uh, work overall, uh, and, um, and it even includes a, in a section called Extras, some of my music. Uh, yeah. And, um, so, which check it out, people. And, he can play. Yeah. He can play. Even if he couldn't <laughs> play, you should check it out, but he can. He can play that harmonica. He can. It was quite I'm good. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I'm learning, um, I'm learning, and, and I'm uh, so happy to um, to be able to have it there on the site. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, listen, Mac, we got I got one more question for you, and uh, yeah, hey, what I want you to do, you may have heard me ask this otherwise. I'm going to ask you now. We've been talking about this a lot. We've already been talking about it, but I'm going to put it to you this way: finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom. Uh, I write in what is called the wisdom tradition, uh, uh, as uh, people who study these things say. And all that means is that um, I don't write anything for the sake of a reader knowing. I write for the sake of a reader feeling deeply what they know. Yeah. And that, yeah. that is the distinction between knowledge and wisdom is that knowledge is knowing. Um, knowing is great, um, but it, uh, it doesn't have the lasting power nor the far-reaching power in people's hearts that wisdom has where you um, feel deeply about what you know. And, um, and that is, that's a full and rich life. It's what I wish for all readers and, in fact, all humans to experience is wisdom in their life. 
Yeah. Well, I am with you. I am with you. Nothing beats it. Knowledge is nice, but wisdom is, that's, well, that's what I'm after as well. Mac, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. It's a wonderful book, One Kind Favor, where all fine books are sold. Good luck with it. And, uh, and your next book, which I expect to see in another four or five years. Thank you, Bill, and, and thank you, uh, listeners, and, um, and I am so grateful that I had this opportunity. Oh, great. Thanks a lot, Mac. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes, indeed, wisdom, people. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries, uh, and I'm going to be talking to a British fellow next week, so it's going to be pre-recorded. To all of you out there, uh, hey, go find something you love to do and do it.